da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. So we are all back. Together again, back in the saddle again, for another episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. All three of us back in the same, at least, podcast. Uh, not in the same room, not in the same state, not in the same area code. But we're all three together, uh, Richard and Brian. Welcome to the show, and let me just say, Richard, it's good to have you back, yeah. and it's glad that you made it back alive safely. <laughs> me too. It's been a long journey for you, and I just... <laughs> Can we just take the first 40 minutes to have Richard do his uh, road trip stories or I don't know, just give us the best story and just tell us where you've been and give us the best story, I guess, from, from your adventures. Okay. Um, I'll give you guys the abridged version. Um, I, uh, I was in Montana at my family's cabin for a week, um, which was lovely. My aunt and uncle have a, a cabin up there on the Flathead Lake, which I would advise all of you to, to visit at some point in your life, all the listeners. It's right by Glacier National Park. I did some, I did a, some, as aforementioned on last week's episode, some helicoptering through uh, Glacier. I saw nine active glaciers that won't, won't be there in 30 years. I sat by the lake. I, I drove a boat and I drank beer and um, had a great vacation. And then um, it was back to the working life. And so I flew to Columbus, Ohio, which was a whole different travel saga, which included me getting my wallet stolen at the Denver airport. Um, flew to Columbus, Ohio to work the Ohio State Fair um, that uh, my company decided to, to have a presence <laughs> at. Cotton candy and, sales is what you're in, by the way. Right? I am. I'm not <laughs> cotton candy sales. No, no, it was fine. It was actually a good event for us. Our audience was definitely there. Um, but it was, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not an experienced camper. And I, I lived in a trailer amongst uh, carnies for a week. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, did you pick up any tricks? Like, do you know any? Do you know any cool skills that you no, didn't previously? I, uh, oh, that's a bummer. I, honestly, I can't say what I did every night, but it's <laughs> not. And that sounds like sexual. That's not what I mean. I just mean like uh, it's just a long story. It was a dark week, um, and then. Uh, we decided to, to drive home, um, with the, with the camp. <laughs> and so I drove home, um, from Columbus, Ohio to Dallas in one, one fell swoop, a little 16 hour jaunt across the country. I got in at about 4am last night and went to work today. And then, uh, you know, I had to, and so, um, yeah. So this afternoon after work, I could go see one movie. <laughs> <laughs> And so I saw, I wanted to see Born. I still haven't seen Born yet because I haven't had a chance because there's not, um, there's not movie theaters in Carney campgrounds for reasons yeah. unknown. Yeah, um, there know. are, let's see some things. The smells were the best part. I would say <laughs> I did see, um, a, a man with a, a Mohawk mullet type apparatus on his head of, I think was hair. Um, come around the corner and bash the side of his head into like a rusty ATM. And uh, that was the best thing I saw all week. Probably that was the highlight. Nice. Like that was, um, that was his act or no, I, that I, was, that happened so I think he worked. Um, he was a pig roaster. Step ah. right up, step right up. I don't bash <laughs> yeah, my head into this ATM. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a carny from the 1920s, by the way. Yeah. Too. yeah. 
imagine being at a state fair. Um, mm, I'm already out. Thanks. And, uh, yeah. Imagine being <laughs> in Columbus, Ohio, and then imagine being there for six days. Mm, nice. Man. And I uh, went to the state fair of Texas. Uh, like I'm not a fair guy either. Five but. years ago, six years ago, yeah. tech was playing Baylor on fairgrounds. And so I went to the game and I came out into the, the state fair just shenanigans and i lasted about 12 minutes just like nope i can't do this i'm out i can't i, yeah, I cannot I, be here any longer same here um but then i realized i had about a million minutes to go <laughs> <laughs> i did get a police escort into the fairgrounds which was also cool nice. uh, met some cool ohio state troopers i got my nails designed by uh, a booth across from um <laughs> I got some foot like things for my my arches. Um, okay, ask for one. Tech. Ask for one story. This this it's good. Yeah, we're good. We're <laughs> that's well, where I am. Well, I just want to yeah. say all this accumulated with me coming home, getting about an hour and a half of sleep, going to work all day, and then seeing Suicide Squad. So um, so here we are, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Here the title hit home. <laughs> cool. Well, we are back, and to start off the show, I want to welcome back. Uh, by popular demand, mm. uh, we had this gentleman on when we talked Batman v Superman, and I believe it was our longest episode ever of the show. <laughs> I think it might have been even longer than the movie, if that's possible. But uh, he's back to talk more Warner Brothers and more DC. Uh, it's Shane Byerly back on. Hey the guys, hey, good to have thank you. Thank you so much for thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So to excited. Dig in. We're more excited than you are. <laughs> well there's a lot of stuff off the top of the show to talk about uh there are some trailers have dropped and some things have happened in the past couple of weeks we haven't really talked about much i guess we can start things off trailer talk i saw this trailer when seeing suicide squad or for the first time in the theater i guess um christopher nolan and his movie dunkirk brian put that it was uh crunk is it lit or crunk? I can't tell. I think I put turnt. Turnt. I don't, okay, I don't, there you go. Yeah. Totally yeah. different than lit or crunk. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. See, I, I update the run sheet each week for our show just because it helps me stay in touch with Completist, what we're going to yeah. talk about. And uh, I just decided to do some bits on there this week. I don't know. Just just trying to keep it fresh. Don't want us to get bored with each other or anything. So is turnt a, a, a terminology? I idea for Yeah. <laughs> is ter- terminology that humans still use i don't know but i i did that in my in the story there so there you yeah go. so is this I, I guess this this trailer my experience with in the theater was everyone was just kind of like what you know at the mm-hmm. end of it um it makes you think something's going to happen that doesn't uh it, it's definitely something like we've never seen from christopher nolan and it looks yeah. to be a period piece a historical epic and so I'm excited to see where he goes with that. But um, definitely a departure. And I was not a fan of his last two films, The Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar. So he's trying to win me back. But I know you guys love that. Y'all are probably super stoked for Dunkirk. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what he can do with uh, with material that's actually true or based on true life. It looks really – visually it looks really interesting. So that's all you really get so far is the aesthetic, and it's pretty breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the shots look incredible just in that 
what, 20 seconds that you get in the teaser that looks looks awesome and i i love i've loved all of his movies so i'm i'm totally uh, excited for him to do uh world war ii that sounds pretty awesome what do we know plot wise just it's world war ii do we know about a certain battle or it is i believe it's the battle of dunkirk is okay. what it covers okay a lot of people think it's d-day so i guess we can clear that up just because of is the- that is anybody convinced that there's like a sci-fi twist to the end of this movie that nobody sees coming? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but I would like that to happen now. Just Thank a you. holographic <laughs> bookshelf yeah. comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. all about dust. It's part yeah. of his dust trilogy. The ocean turns upside down. And his, then du- <laughs> his dust trilogy. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> He's got a lot of Morse code in this one, though. There, You can uh, guarantee that. A lot will be told That's true. through Morse code. All crossover. Maybe that's the trilogy he's going for, but I'm excited. Uh, Richard, any thoughts? You I it? like Christopher Nolan quite a bit. Um, I do think his last two movies were maybe not up to his standards, but I think they're very good. And so I, I, I would love to see him do something more grounded because he's very good at epic things, but sometimes it's interest, interesting, you know, to sometimes you want to see a, a loud rock band do an acoustic album. Right. And uh, hopefully this is and the cast is interesting uh, as well. So I'm, uh, I'm 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 all in on this one. I think you know if he did a really kind of um, you know something like it would be fun to see him do something like Fury, um, which yeah. we'll get into later. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's I think that'd be a cool way, cool new path for him to go down because he's I don't think he can get any bigger in terms of scale. And so let's let's see what he can do in the in a little bit more, you know, in the, in, in a box, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Shane, did you see the trailer? I did. I did. It looks fantastic. That shot of all the people raising their heads kind of up as the planes coming. That's a that's a magnificent shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, he's never struggled with cinematography in the past. Uh, my Not at all. I thought Interstellar looked incredible and sounded mm-hmm. incredible. I just didn't like a lot of the where the plot ended up or how they tried to work some of the Murph storylines in there. But we shall see uh, with Dunkirk, and that comes out, I believe, next summer. So more of a teaser trailer than than anything. But mm-hmm. let's get into Warner Brothers talk, guys, and start transitioning over to talking Suicide Squad. And uh, in movie news, Man of Steel 2 officially announced in development. No writer-director attached at this point. But Warner Brothers is confident that they can uh, do this and people will care. I don't know if it's going to be called Man of Steel 2, so it's obviously a working title, and it's just a sequel to that. But another standalone Superman movie coming from Warner Brothers. And, uh, I'm but, guessing but he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. How, he died. how are we going to do that? I don't, I don't <laughs> know if you saw the coffin shaking uh, or the dust. <laughs> it was part of the dust trilogy, maybe. The dust was spinning. <laughs> I don't know. But we, Henry Cavill, I guess, still... Superman. So not only is he uh, going to be in Justice League, and but they're giving him yet another standalone film as Superman. Uh, you would well, have thought maybe... Man of Steel so far is the, the best movie they've made, so maybe this is what yeah. they want to pursue. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're, like, uh, they're hitting like 100 right now. If you're batting average, they're hitting 100, basically. Uh, DC, Warner Brothers are together as a team, but... Uh, I, w- I would have thought maybe he would play out his contract with Justice League and then they would wait to spend another 200 <laughs> to $300 million on another Superman movie. 
uh, maybe just see how it pans out from here. I don't know why they keep announcing movies when every movie they're releasing ends up being a huge disappointment. And no, yeah, disappointment is one thing, but financial not success. I can't say failure <laughs> because a lot of them end up making at least their money back, but compared to what you would think it should be right. making for Superman, well, well nothing. beneath the standard that they are shooting for, right? So, um, what do, your, do we know where that's going to go in the timeline? Do we know if this is like yeah. after Wonder Woman or after Green Lantern or, you know, anything like, do we know where it's going to land in the timeline? Oh, I'm sure it's pretty far off. Uh, as far as in the timeline of the canon that they're establishing, I have no idea. I can't speak to that, whether it's going to mm. be after Batman v Superman or prior or, or I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm assuming this is a 2020 type release at the, mm, early, at yeah. the earliest. Uh, considering there's no writer or director attached at this point, but again, they're going for it. You know, they're going all in on, uh, on this storyline and these properties and these people. I'm assuming Zack Snyder is at least executive producing. If they've already announced, they've at least already got the producers in place for it. But this leads me to a comment from a listener, uh, Connor Finnerty, who is one of our most loyal listeners and writes in all the time with great thoughts. So we appreciate it. Uh, Connor, as always, but he wrote in, and first of all, he said he saw MacGruber for the first time and thanks us. So you're welcome. <laughs> but took you that long, Connor? Gosh. He says uh, a lot of this controversy with Warner Brothers has a lot to do with the fact that he thinks they're just incompetent with superhero movies. Like their superhero department is just defunct. And the analogy he gives, which I want to talk about, he said it's like a bad sports team who gets every good free agent, but still doesn't win. Yeah. <laughs> like they're the Cleveland Browns, you know, every year's promising. They have they're the number the... one pick, uh, but things never pan out for them. Uh, why is that? Do you guys agree with that? First of all. And, and why is that? He says, it, um, it says, it seems like DC makes movies that always look promising and leads to huge opening weekend, but inevitably lead to a drop off in sales and disappointed fans. So I agree with that. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. Because this really lends it to my doctoral thesis I'm working on, um, comparing Zack Snyder to Isaiah Thomas. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this will, you know, and obviously I think the parallels are there between Stevie Franchise and Ben Affleck. I won't go into that, but um, <laughs> I do think that, yeah, it is. like The, the sum is always so much worse than the parts, and yeah. uh, it's super depressing, especially the more deep you go into this every time. Yeah, absolutely. And a point he makes at the end of this, he says the Dark Knight trilogy worked because they got a genuine Artur and Christopher Nolan, but now they just seem clueless. Is there anything they can do to right the ship? Or are they in too deep at this point? I kind of disagree that they haven't gone the Artur direction because I consider uh, I consider Zack Snyder to be an Artur filmmaker. I just don't agree with his sensibilities. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> Uh, but you know, for the people that do, I'm sure that they're they're very pleasing. But if you are subscribed to the auteur theory, you would say that Snyder is one. But mm -hmm. I think they are clueless. Maybe they got the wrong person, or their direction is just bad. But what do you guys think about just is their superhero department incompetent? Because we see them doing successful things on the other side of the coin a lot of the times, like with Harry Potter and things. I just don't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Uh, right. Yeah, I think. You know, we've talked about this a little bit on Batman v Superman, and and I'm sure we'll we'll delve into it more. But I think they've just been, whether they want to admit it or not, it has always come across as if 
Warner Brothers is is just trying desperately to keep up with with Marvel, Disney, and and more than keep up to surpass them. Um, and in doing so, it just kind of it's like they've skipped the lessons learned that you should be learning from Disney and Marvel on how you build a universe and just jumped straight into. Uh, I mean, like having Justice League where it sits is kind of the exact opposite of what Marvel Disney did. And I'm not saying you have to do exactly what Marvel did. I know I understand that there are people who do not appreciate the Marvel concept or the way that Disney does business and all that sort of thing. Um, but it it does work, right? Like, they consistently pump out uh, movies that get good critical reviews and uh, movies that make a ton of money, and that's and er, so that's that's like what you're trying to do. That's what you're trying to do, and it seems like they are perpetually trying to uh, to pass Marvel on that, but without doing any of the legwork. It's just. And we'll just we'll just throw this out there. People will love it, and that's what it comes across as. It everything seems sloppy, and uh, and kind of just misguided. I think I think I'm going to use that word a lot tonight, talking about Suicide Squad. But but it does kind of stand for everything that's going on at that in that department of just like you guys really thought this was a good idea. And I think giving Snyder so much control was a massive misstep to begin with. And that maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe that's just. They've been set on this awful road uh, because of the, because they picked the wrong guy to kind of run everything that's going on or, or, or set the tone, at least, for what's happening on film. But I guess my solution to that is like, OK, it didn't work. Clearly, it didn't work. Now, let's take a step back, guys. Let's think about what we're doing here and really try to set some sort of a plan. Uh, and instead... We're just going full force. We're going right ahead with Justice League. Same director. It's going to be awesome. I promise this one's going to be better. And we're getting the same thing with the... We're going to go right into Man of Steel 2. doesn't really matter that we don't have a writer-director idea, concept, any idea where it fits in the... It's fine. It's fine. We'll figure it out as we go. And it's just... It doesn't seem like they're learning from past mistakes at this point. Yeah. It's depressing. And... um I just want to go over briefly, and I want to transition over to Suicide Squad talk here, but I just want to briefly go over their upcoming releases, and if there's any light at the end of the tunnel for Warner Brothers. So their next release is War Dogs, this Jonah Hill, Miles Teller uh, comedy, weird Todd Phillips hangover kind of a film. Uh, We'll see. That comes out August 19th. So I haven't heard any reviews or anything like that for that yet, but that's their next thing. Followed by Sully, the Tom Hanks, Sully uh, landing the plane on the uh, East River movie. A Clint Eastwood joint. Those Clint have been joint. And that's in September, so that's not a good sign release date-wise for how good that movie will be. Um, that uh, is followed by Storks, which is coming out in a month, believe it or not. Storks, the animated movie. And then we have The Accountant, which is the Ben Affleck drama that uh, mm-hmm. could ha- come into play, maybe acting wise for for Affleck. I don't know how good it is, but uh, after that, Fantastic Beasts, the Harry Potter spinoff. Then, then we have the Lego Batman movie next February. Uh, we have Kong Skull Island. We have the King Car- King Arthur reboot from uh, from Guy Ritchie, and uh, then we're going into Wonder Woman and Dunkirk, and they they have a Chips reboot coming, <laughs> apparently <laughs> oh, next year. Come on. 
chips. Seriously? Oh, sounds, oh no. sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. <laughs> oh, very, All very right. relevant. I wonder who is yeah. starring in this chips reboot. I'm, I'm gonna see who. Uh, Wilmer Valderrama. Let's see. <laughs> starring. To- oh, close. Starring Dax Shepard no. and Michael Pena. Everybody sure. loves Dax Shepard. Yes. Big movie star. St- it might be a tad too early to call Oscars, but you know. <laughs> might be the first time in history it, I've said starring Dax Shepard <laughs> as the number one. Oh, let's see. Oh, it's written by Dax Shepard and directed by uh, Dax Shepard. That's why. Okay. No, I'm mm-hmm. it's, it's an, the entire album. thing is a Samsung commercial, so that could be cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Dax. Uh, I do too. I don't think anyone wants to see him in movies. Total O'Malley, like total, total. Oh yeah, like, totally. Uh, yeah. Did you guys Sidekick see O'Malley is in? Uh, is pretty heavily featured in the um, the Sully trailer. Is oh yeah. Oh yeah, boy. yeah. He's like a air traffic control or something. Yeah. yeah we'll exactly. see. I love love me some O'Malley, but okay. Uh, we have it. A reboot of It, the Stephen King movie coming from Warner Brothers. We have a Lego Ninjago movie because that was uh, inevitable. And then (laughs) Blade Runner 2 next October. The Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford starring Ridley Scott Helms Blade Runner sequel. And uh, Justice League comes next November as well. So after those, I mean, all, all down the pipeline is The Flash, Tomb Raider, uh, Ready Player One from Spielberg, Aquaman, a Scooby Doo reboot titled S C O O B Scoob. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have another Fantastic Beasts, another Lego Movie, and then we have Godzilla Two in 2019 from Gareth Edwards, I believed. And then uh, to round it out, at the very end of all this is uh, Minecraft the movie, 2019, timely. timely. <laughs> Kids still love that. (laughs) Then we have Justice League sequel, Cyborg, Mm. Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, We have Green Lantern, another reboot of that, and uh, another Fantastic Beast, so the third of those, and coming Mm. November 20th, 2020. So that's the upcoming release window or schedule for Warner Brothers. And to me, the only positives, other than maybe some smaller Oscar independent type stuff that they distribute, uh, is probably the Godzilla stuff. Uh, maybe mm. Ready Player One sticks out, and maybe that uh, Tomb Raider reboot with Alicia Vikander could be something fun. But uh, Fantastic Beasts will be huge. Oh, it'll that, be yeah, that'll, do, will be that'll huge. do very well, and it will be. I, I would imagine. I would guess that's going to be very well received critically as well. And uh, so that's really it. Um, other than DC, so it just kind of shows how much they're relying on these films to do well and to carry the studio, mm. and uh, that's kind of sad. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter 
for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let's move on, guys. And uh, let's talk Suicide Squad. I want to build a team of some very bad people who I think can do some good. Y'all jokers must be crazy. I'm not just one of y'all so this one was anticipated from I think all of us. Uh, we talked about this one on the show, and we kind of yeah. said, "Remember, we kind of left off our BVS episode by saying, well, at least Suicide Squad's coming out, right?' You know." <laughs> um, and this one kind of went through a rocky road. I had a lot of rumors this past year of reboots and that it was in trouble, and I think we kind of all refused to believe it. Uh, to a certain extent, and David Ayer did his best to put out on Twitter that the studio loved the movie and they wanted to see more action and more guns and stuff and not like change anything story-wise. I find that kind of hard to believe. Um, man, I just... I see what they're trying to do here, and it's just so sad that they couldn't do it. You know? It's just like... I see I see that they're trying to mix it up. They're trying to do something different. They're trying to say, hey, what if we kind of flip what we're doing with Justice League and Snyder on its head and kind of tell the stories from a different perspective, perspective of the villains. You know, we can do it with a very in a very stylish way and kind of maybe get away with more uh, than we could mm-hmm. with the Justice League, um, which is a great idea. And I think that's what yeah. we're all on board with. Like, if you can flip this on its head a little bit and maybe – kind of turn what Marvel is doing on it on its head and and do something kind of different than what they're doing, not necessarily try to copy it, but literally just counter program what they're doing over there. Honestly, uh, that could actually work. And, um, I think this movie could have worked in a lot of areas. Um, but it's just so, like you said, Brian misguided. Um, I think 50% of this movie, um, could have been good. And the other mm-hmm. 50% shouldn't even exist on film. You know, like that's how split I am on it. Um, yeah. It is, it's like two different movies, honestly. It's like they took yes. a good movie and spliced it in with a bad movie. Because um, you see what it, it could have and should have been. Um, I think the casting on a lot of this is is fun and great. And my biggest encouragement leaving this was Will Smith was awesome in this movie. He was a badass in this movie. He had a, he had like uh, he had so much energy. He had so much charisma again. Like I hadn't seen that since I don't know Men in Black or something. 
a, mm-hmm. a lot of the kind of one-liners and kind of just nonchalant badassery that he, you know, exuded in the 90s that had been kind of absent for me. So it was good to see him kind of return to this brooding force uh, on screen. And having said that, they could have just made this a Deadshot movie, followed him around, and I would have liked yeah. this 90% more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the casting of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn was good. Um, and, and I do think that Harley and Deadshot kind of carry the film. I think that's the intention. I mean, they do have the most kind of screen time and uh, it's focused. The story is kind of focused around them for the most part. But uh, I think those, you know, those are passes for me. Uh, it, it's more than I can say for, for Batman versus Superman, because there was like literally nothing I liked about any of that. Like not one thing that I say, man, I liked what they did there. I liked how they casted that. I liked how that plot line worked out. Um, there were several moments of this that I did like, uh, I would be lying to myself and to the listener, if I was to say that I didn't viscerally enjoy a lot of this movie. Um, but I did not like this because it just falls completely apart at the end and it just goes on too long. And Kara uh, Delavine needs to just never, ever, you know? And <laughs> I just, I mean, guys, I don't know. I, I had no idea what you guys thought about this movie. Um, but I, I heard the reviews this weekend, and people were saying this is the worst movie of all time and all this stuff. And I went in and saw it, and I was like, yeah, that wasn't good, but it wasn't like worse than I expected it to be. It wasn't the worst thing DC's even put out in the past couple of years, in my opinion. Um, but that's, that's hard to beat. Like you have to, do a, you have to almost try to be that bad. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. But, I mean, this had – it was lined with positivity. Um, it's an extremely – eccentric film um i've maybe never seen a movie that's trying to be another movie so bad like this movie wants to be guardians of the galaxy so bad it tries in literally almost every way they can uh you know with the music and the whole these guys are bad guys but they're actually good guys kind of the anti-hero thing and they get the killer croc character who's sort of a combo of groot and drax and rocket you know (laughs) kind of all three of them and uh so that it, just the music alone kind of i wouldn't have, i maybe wouldn't have even have thought i know Ooh. i hear it i knew that this was coming i wouldn't have even maybe had that thought oh this is trying to be guardians if it wasn't just so forced with every mm-hmm. song that they play it's like they got a pandora station and plugged it in and did siri hey siri play classic rock radio and yeah. that's what like the soundtrack to this was and that's fine and maybe we're just snobs and like we've heard Bohemian Rhapsody 50 times in a movie and we've heard what did it for me Brian and I'm sure you rolled your eyes as the uh, please allow me to yes. oh my god we have Stop to quit we retire that. that song from movies ever <laughs> yes it's been done it's been done so many times it's been done 10 times this year yes stop Will Smith Stop Will Smith was just in a movie that was based literally on that yes. entire song yes. and how that song brainwashed people and stuff. Uh, so <sighs> we need to stop that. But, I mean, I don't know if the studio came back to David Ayer and was like, hey, man, you know, you saw Guardians. You heard that soundtrack. Man, give us a little more of that, you know? Because, I mean, it's like every other scene is some kind of pop song. And don't get me wrong, I love pop music as much as everyone, but uh, it got annoying after a while. I don't know what you guys think of this. But I'm excited to hear your thoughts. So I guess we'll start off with the guest, Shane. 
Yeah, well, so just to give you guys a little bit of the backstory on this movie, if you didn't know, The Hollywood Reporter came out with this really great piece um, a couple of days before the movie. And essentially, it kind of attempts to explain what happened with this movie. And what they're saying is that it was is this one-two punch of the bad negative reviews of Batman Superman and how people were upset with the dark kind of tone of that movie. And then also the smashing success of that first trailer with, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody. Warner Brothers kind of freaked themselves out with what they had for this movie. And then at that point, David Ayer had one version of a movie that was kind of dark. And then they hired a trailer company to make a lighter, jokier version of this movie. And then essentially what you saw in the theater was this weird blend of the two. And I think that that's what kind of got that's what I feel about this whole movie is that I was so excited for it and I just left confused because it just seems like a, a muddled just a this movie's a mess from start to finish it's and, just it's all Shane, over the place to interrupt you just like just totally and, and you know me I mean Shannon and I have known each other since fourth grade or fifth grade you know <laughs> I don't know that much about comics or anything like that but I will say like that just so is a perfect kind of encapsulation of, of what's wrong with this, um, the direction of this franchise is they don't understand that the backlash on Batman versus Superman being too dark. Isn't a backlash against being too dark. It's a backlash against Batman and Superman being too dark. Cause these are comic book heroes essentially for, for kids that are, you know, like feel free to make suicide squad as dark as you want. It's called right, suicide yeah. squad. Like it just shows <laughs> such a lack of like understanding of, of, and, and I'm not going to get on here and talk about the, the merits of these properties. Cause I don't know, but here's what I know. Batman and Superman should be for a broad audience. Suicide squad should be a freaky, cool, like, you know, hip, let people come, you know, Batman versus Superman R. should go just to say the it. people. Rated R. Yeah. And suicide squad should make the people come it. Um, and, you know, Guardians is a little bit more twisted than, you know, an Iron Man movie. A, a four-year-old can enjoy an Iron Man movie, but that's because that's how they're supposed to be. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, I'm an idiot when it comes to this stuff. I don't anything about it. And I would know to do that. Like, let's make this one light and this one dark. And the fact that they inverted that is like unforgivably dumb. Absolutely. It's just I think that this movie had the potential to be offbeat. I think that that's yes. why Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. was so successful because it was offbeat. But the budget of this movie soared to one hundred and seventy five million dollars. And the minute that happens, nobody wants to be offbeat and quirky anymore. They just want to be generic. And I think that's this movie's biggest sin is that it felt so generic. It just it was like the third act of this movie, which we'll get into later. But it was just like, wow, I've seen this done again three times this year already. Exactly. Yeah. Any gen- general thoughts, um, Brian? Or you? I guess you oh. already you already had yours. Um, no. Uh, go ahead. You you've interjected, but we haven't heard your general thoughts. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was uh, I was very even reading the seeing the buzz and reading the reviews and whatnot going into the movie. I I don't know why, but I had this I had this in my mind of like these are wrong. Like this has got it. I can't. I just can't see how this can be that bad and i you know when we went to see bvs i was i expected it to be terrible it was terrible um and and i was you know obviously not surprised by that whatsoever with this one literally up to the day that i saw the movie i kept thinking no it's i just think it's getting a bad some for some reason it's getting a bad buzz and it's it's not going to be that bad and then about 15 minutes in i was like oh okay no this is terrible like this is a really terrible film and i agree with you ken i think 
I think there's a, I definitely think there's a good movie in here. I definitely think that if it's done in a different way, if it's cleaner as, as far as the, the cut goes, um, if you don't, I think if you, if we didn't know that the story behind this movie is that there were two versions of the film that were basically cut together, I think we would still come out of the theater saying, I'm pretty sure there were two versions of this movie that were cut together because it's, it really is like two competing films throughout. And I don't know that either of the, I don't know that either of these films are good, but I think there is a good movie in there somewhere and it just can't, it can't get out. And it, you know what? Look, like you, you take chances, you swing for the fences and you, and you fly out. Okay. You, you, you tried your best. You did what you could. Um, I'll, I'll give you credit for, for doing something ambitious and, and giving it a try. But like this movie falls into so many bad, like things that would get you an F in film school. <laughs> this suicide squad kind of does repetitively. There is so much heavy exposition that is completely, it's both unnecessary and uninformative. So it completely misses the the boat on that. And that is, I'm, that's not a joke to say that's the first 25 minutes of the movie is just exposition. I think it's more, on. it's more than it's, I mean, I, I'm trying to think it might be half or over half the movie that they're just introducing who yeah. the suicide oh. squad characters are before there's any kind of right. mission or any kind of teaming and um, not, but them. not in a, not in a good way, right? Like it doesn't, no, it's it doesn't repetitive. work. It's just it, repetitive. It's just, it, it it plays out like, I mean, MacGruber handled that information in about three minutes. So like, and MacGruber is a stupid comedy that we all love, but it's just a stupid farce of, uh, of action movies. So if, if MacGruber can get that correct, then I feel like Suicide Squad should be able to do that. You know I feel like they should be able to the, pull that off. The fact that they even th- think they, they, the fact that they think they need to tell you who these characters are is kind of a farce in itself. Like the fact that uh, there's this line said by Ike Barinholtz. He says, uh, of course I'm scared of you. You put down five of my guards or something like that. Yeah. Like basically the point of that line is to tell the audience, hey, this chick is really like mm-hmm. crazy. Oh, really? The yeah. fact that she's in a giant cell surrounded by security guards in a highly isolated prison doesn't tell us that, that we need to yeah. know that she put five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let the actual setting tell the story in some sense of the word and like just let the story play out. I mean, it, like you said, Brian, I mean, it's it's 20 to 25 minutes at the beginning of just that. And and I mean, at the beginning, they have this House of the Rising Sun thing and you're introduced to Deadshot. And OK, yeah, yeah. You, you, honestly, the movie opened with that. And I was like. Oh, cool. Ike Barinholtz. Wow. Kind of a quirky vibe. Oh, Will Smith acting like a BA. Okay. That's cool. I'm, I'm down. Cool. I know Deadshot. I know who this guy is. And then we kind of go around the prison more and he kind of walks the other cells. And then we get my biggest pet peeve of the year. I've mentioned it five times this year. We get it multiple times in this movie, the folder sequence. Mm-hmm. Viola Davis yeah. has to pull out the folder, open it up. And then she starts re- rattling off the names. And then we get other little vignettes of all these characters which I will admit looked really cool. Like the way they're cut together look awesome with all the neon colors and the paint and the cutting it. I mean, it's very professionally, it's well done. I will admit that, but there's no point in it. There's no need. Yeah, it's, we know. it's style over it's style over substance. Yeah. And, and all those intros, they kind of looked and felt more like a music video, not a movie. 
Yeah. I yeah, mean, it, it felt like it was trying to be Scott Pilgrim times 10, you know, yes. with all the graphics on the screen and all the sound effects and everything. And uh, again, you know, that works to a certain extent, but it would work better if it was stuff that I actually was interested in. I just mm. wanted, I, I was at the point in the movie there where I wanted them to just get get on with it already, you know? And I wanted, yeah. okay, I know Harley. Wow, I, you know, I kind of like her personality. Now I want to see her out and about doing things. I don't want to hear more, you know, I don't need to see her dancing on a stripper pole with, you know, slow motion and laughing in the background. You know what I mean? And things, um, yeah. like I said, this is an extremely eccentric movie. It feels like Boz Lerman made this, you know? And to a certain extent, it's like, there are certain sure. times where like, we're not even going to try and tell a, a story. Like we're just going to, it does. It's like yeah. a lot of even the stuff we haven't even talked to the Joker yet, but the stuff with the Joker, when he, there's, it's not really a spoiler to say he throws Harley into like a vat of liquid. He jumps in there after, her, and then it's just this kind of like colors are like coming around in the liquid, yeah. and they're like, yeah. he's like caressing and, her, and, and there's like this music playing, and it's very like, why? What are we watching right now? Kind and of. And that thing. scene has literally no bearing on the film whatsoever. It it, it, it takes. There's zero point for that four minute sequence to take place. Right. Zero point. It, it's uh, just kind of like. David Ayer saying, look what I can do, kind of. Yeah. Uh, look how yeah. cool this looks, shot from the vertical angle and all that. Uh, and look at all the pretty colors. Gosh. Like, he's literally saying yes. that to us. Uh, and you know what? You can get, I think yeah. you could do that with animation, even. You could do a, you know, kind of a Netflix exclusive Batman animated movie where you go that route. You get weird with it. Um, this, this felt like, you're right, Richard. It should have it should have said, "Hey, let's just go all in on being weird and quirky and make this like like Deadpool did." You know what? Deadpool would have never worked if it tried to dumb down itself. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. uh, this movie dumbs down itself to the worst extent possible. Um, yeah, it's almost yeah. it. You could tell it was trying to be as edgy as it could possibly be for a PG thirteen. Yeah, and that yeah. sort of offended me. Like, there's even stuff that Harley says. I'm like, can you say that in a PG-13 movie? Uh, there's a few <laughs> words used, but uh, but I don't know. So, what do we think of the Joker? Personally, I couldn't stand him. He yeah. brought literally nothing new to the table with the Joker. I felt like, except for maybe his costuming, um, he sounded yeah. and acted like he was doing Heath Ledger. I'm sorry. I it was just maybe it's because Heath Ledger was so good or maybe you know uh leto was subconsciously doing what he thought the joker should be but that was heath ledger because that's what everyone thought the joker should be you know what i mean um i think maybe he should have just gone a completely different direction with it maybe it would work better but uh it didn't work for me at all and he was just overacting like insane yeah. i mean it was like he was trying to do a Broadway play or something. I mean, it just didn't feel like a movie at all. It felt like he was, he was going so over the top with it and his delivery. And that's kind of what made the Joker so scary. And, in, in Nolan's trilogy was that it felt so real. It felt like mm -hmm. this was a real person that uh, could bust in at any time with a gun. It, it felt like a terrorist or something and not like this weird, I don't know, circus performer kind of guy that uh, he felt like, felt like a combination of ledger. And then, you mix all the bad parts in of Jim Carrey as the Riddler, you know, <laughs> it's like a weird combination of those. So what did we think yeah. of the Joker? 
Um, I guess we'll start with Shane again. He, here's the thing. I couldn't even tell you what I think about the Joker because he's in less than 10 minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. There was literally not enough to to sink your teeth into there. I just don't really I he was making choices, you know what I mean, as an actor, but I just don't there was just so little to sink your teeth into um that I just didn't really know. And the other thing that's weird is when you go back and you watch those trailers, there are a number of shots from the trailers that are, are nowhere in the movie. And I think that Jared Leto has said that there's a bunch of stuff that he shot for the movie that just got straight up cut. So probably because it was bad. I yeah I don't know. I mean, Look, hopefully, I hope they don't didn't cut out a good movie. That's my fear. I mean, uh, but sorry. What what did you think overall? I guess of did you dislike him of what you did see the ten minutes that you did see? Yeah, I mean, it's like I felt like it, like it, I think that the thing that I just keep saying over and over is just uneven. Like he would do something that I thought was cool, and then he would undercut it with something that I thought was stupid. Like I don't know how you guys felt about the hand tattoo, the smile tattoo on the hand. I did not care for that at all. That that like really threw me out. Yeah, that was. The, I was uh, I liked Jared Leto a lot. I'm I wasn't a huge fan of this performance once <laughs> at all. But it was so it didn't. Like this is one where we'll forgive you for going a little over the top, and it it was over the top, but not in any kind of fun way. It was just yeah. like you said, Ken. It was like it was like a bad theater experience. It was just like, oh, he's really going for it. Yeah, <laughs> give him that. Yeah, no, I, I think you, that's the that's how I felt. that might be the worst part about it. It's it's an uninteresting performance. Like this is the time where you get to just do something crazy and over the top and weird. And I, you know, it's not his fault that he's only in the movie for t- ten minutes, but it is partly his fault that. It's boring. Like his performance is boring. I I, I don't know, man. I, I thought it was terrible. I saw plenty of reviews and we got several tweets and whatnot from people who thought that uh, the movie was bad, but the Joker was the best part. And I, I just I couldn't disagree more. Like I, I thought he was I awful. thought it was the worst and, part, maybe. And there's I some bad parts tend to agree. Yeah. And there are a lot of bad parts to contend with. So, <laughs> I, man, I was I was maybe as, as disappointed by that as anything else. Not because. I didn't come in here thinking we were going to see some kind of show-stopping performance from from Jared Leto. Just if for no other reason than we have seen the Joker done incredibly well twice on film, we don't necessarily. I don't need to see that again. I don't ever need to see a new interpretation of the Joker. But I was excited about we're going to see Jared Leto try to do something crazy and over the top and maybe different. And instead, I just every time he's in the movie. A, it has zero bearing on on the film itself, and B, I just felt like, yeah, it's kind of a Heath Ledger impression in a really, really awful way, and not at all interesting. I I was very disappointed by that at, at the very least. Like at least make it to where if it's not fun, make it terrifying. If it's not terrifying, make it cool. If it's not cool, can it just be watchable? Like can it just be something that I semi can enjoy watching no not not in this case yeah and kind of what i really liked about this movie and it and it kind of came towards the beginning is when they're telling the story of the joker and harley and how harley was seduced by the joker i actually kind of really enjoyed that and uh didn't really know that storyline so you know i'm not a comic book aficionado by any means but uh i thought that was played well and what I liked and I did not expect from this at all was for Batman to be in it, you know, um, that surprised me. And I thought it was cool how they used the Batman in this. Uh, it yeah. felt like 
Um, especially with the dead shot scene, he really doesn't say anything, but that's a very emotional scene. And I liked how Batman's like chasing the Joker and Harley around the Batmobile. I thought that was a fun sequence and how he jumps on the Batmobile and she's like, I don't know what she says, you're ruining date night or something like that and starts shooting at him. I thought that was a, those were fun little sequences. Um, and especially with the dead shot, like I said, um, that sequence with his daughter and everything and the fact that he could have killed Batman, but he didn't because of his daughter, uh, it's it worked I, like that among other things actually did work in this film was that plot line of will and his daughter i thought um and like why he's doing this and like the, the only reason he wants out is to be with his family again and then he got locked up because basically because he wouldn't shoot batman like if he had shot batman and ran away like he wouldn't have even gotten caught probably but the fact that he s- sat there waited on it and uh, the cops pull up behind him and arrest him immediately you know what i mean uh so that i think that worked for me uh what did you guys think of the batman being in this movie at all and uh i i just didn't expect that i didn't even think affleck would be on board for it or for having an appearance but uh brian any batman yes or no i I didn't i hated it i I thought it was oh really yeah i thought it was a really cheap way to tie uh suicide squad to justice league slash batman v superman it's nothing to do with affleck affleck's fine as batman uh, I think I think he I think he is fine. I don't know that he'll ever be in a good movie about Batman because regardless, I I don't care about that. I just it seems so cheap for in that entire awful exposition segment and for Viola Davis to be like, well, I didn't catch him, but I have a friend in Gotham City who did like it's just I just thought that was such a such a weak point. And there's a lot of weak points in the movie. So that maybe doesn't even scratch the surface, but it's. I, it, it goes back to very cheap to me. it goes back to brian like i thought uh the positive of having suicide squad like i do like the fact that they're trying to tell the same story from a different perspective and i think they they went for that in batman v superman like there are even shots in the trailer of batman v superman with like with uh i think they showed at the beginning of the movie and shane probably remember where bruce wayne is kind of witnessing the final act of man of steel you know, and he's witnessing, mm-hmm. and I guess you can even like sync the movies up side by side and see that they, it actually is the same exact things happening and stuff, which I think is pretty cool. And I think uh, this for me did that. It kind of tied in the canon in an organic way, but it wasn't. Uh, Batman like wasn't even talking in this. Uh, and if he, if they had made him a character and kind of focused on him a little more, the way they do it is kind of in flashback. So. Um, it just it just reminded me that we're in the universe of the Justice League, you know. Um, I think the the vignette that didn't work for me, the cameo that did not work, was the Flash, and it seems so forced Even when they worse, put the yeah. Flash in there, where the Jai Courtney character is robbing the bank, and the Flash just shows up and's like, <laughs> "No honor among thieves" or something like that, and uh, flashes away. Yeah. I mean, it's just like not not to add any gasoline to the fire, but that sequence was directed by Zack Snyder. Oh, great. That's why I yeah. loved it then. <laughs> well, I guess they had all the resources ready on the Justice League set, so they flew Jai Courtney out to the suicide or to the Justice League set, and they just filmed it out there. Yeah. Uh, did any of this work for did you? Did he have to lift on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get pumped before you get off, bro. We're not. There's no way we're walking <laughs> off this runway with the, you looking like that with those right. those guns. 
This isn't that pansy suicide squad. This (laughs) is Justice (laughs) League. On your way here, you got to drink six monsters and roll that big tire up and down the plane the entire time. Just a few more, a few more songs I wrote down. But on this vibe too. A few more songs that were kind of high rolls was "Spirit in the Sky." Uh, Yeah, they did that with Guardians. We don't need that in here. Uh, And I'm sure you loved it. Seven Nation Army doing Jack White proud with the uh, Seven Nation Uh. Army. But uh, what did we think of the other members of the Suicide Squad, aside from the Deadshot, the Harley? Uh, what about Diablo? Uh, we have the Killer Croc, and we have, I guess, Jai Courtney. That's all I'm going to call him. I'm not going <laughs> to He's always Jai Courtney. Uh, but what do we think about those side characters? I thought the they were pointless. Was, I literally thought Jai Courtney was, shouldn't, ha- shouldn't have been in here. His character yeah. does nothing in here. It doesn't do anything. As that moves anything forward. What's frustrating for me is I, I loved your talk last week on the on the ticket counter versus the the ticket kiosk and I yeah. I'm a, I'm a ticket kiosk guy too. Groundbreaking journalism, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, this t- the theater I went to today was uh had a at least not a kiosk that I could see readily available. So I went up to the to the uh, booth and I said I'm I'm here for the new Jai Courtney film and she, she didn't <laughs> understand what I meant and that was confusing to me. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Jai Courtney? Did you look at her and kind of give the old? <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, uh, "Are you kidding?" Uh, you know. Yeah, I gave her the old O'Connell eyebrow and was like, "The new Jai Courtney." Film. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I find it. I found him tolerable in this film, which is uh, that's a big step for me because <laughs> I generally find him insufferable, and I think that his cardboard cutout is a better actor than he is. <laughs> mm. But I think that this film, since he at least got to use his natural Australian accent, and he, and he was in the once again like everybody else, he was in the film so little, he was fine. He was he's fine in small doses, I think. So I kind of liked him in this, but you know, I totally get that he could rub some people the wrong way. I just didn't. Think I thought he was point. fine. Yeah, exactly. Same. I'm same here. I thought he was one of the more uh, <laughs> one of the the least the less unenjoyable suicide squad members i guess would be the way that i would put it but he what does he do why is he on this team he's like he makes hawkeye look extremely important to the right. avengers yes. like i don't <laughs> well, he's got you that can, sweet samsung phone right yeah <laughs> yeah like your entire job is to what steal diamonds okay not going to be important on this mission but maybe the next time and fly a boomerang that has a drone attached to it okay well we probably could have had i don't know harley do that I, it's just it seemed really unimportant to the movie at least at least those guys got an introduction. I don't know if this bothered anybody else, but this really threw me out of the movie when like halfway through Rick Flagg just introduces Katana in the most lazy yeah. la- no, just yeah, she no. hops on a plane and it's like by the way, this is Katana. There's Here's one, her backstory. There's one character that's like a Hispanic character. Yeah, Slipknot. And he's yeah, Native American. No, yeah, they yeah. don't Native American. They don't even they don't even mention him at all. They don't yeah. mention his name. They don't give him a little vignette. And Rick Flagg doesn't even mention him, but they kill him off like immediately. Like, because yeah. they needed somebody his, to die, but he wasn't important enough to introduce. Right. <laughs> his, his entire point to the movie, he he comes out of the, out of the Jeep. They say, oh, th- by the way, this is Slipknot. He punches a woman in the face because, quote, she had a mouth on her. And then three minutes later, Boomerang gets him to kill himself. Like, wh- who decided who decided that that guy should even be in the movie? Like, how did that make the cut that how many people did that have to get through? And they were like, oh, yeah, very important scene. We definitely got to keep this in the in the edit. I, I just that was 
if I wasn't already, I was kind of teetering on the edge of like, this is just such a terrible freaking movie. And that sent me just diving over. I could not believe that they went that they did that. That's yeah. just that's unbelievable. Unforgivable, even. At least he's only on screen for like two minutes. So <laughs> if you dislike him, he's gone. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about uh, Cara Delvin for a minute? Because I thought. Oh, God. I honestly thought that most of her scenes took place in like the Hocus Pocus cinematic universe. So I was fired <laughs> yeah. up about that. Let's talk about those sweet dance moves of hers. Oh, yeah, man. I had a, I have a friend, a uh, friend of the show uh, and co- senior um, awesome correspondent B cat. Uh, had a really good text rant about uh, just the how tired we are. Can we get over the thing of of portals um, and with weird debris floating around them being That's, a major plot point in every movie? Yeah. Fantastic Four did it. The Avengers did it. I mean, yeah. Man of Steel did it. It's like, good Lord, every movie's doing it nowadays. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a requirement. Independence but, Day did it this summer. Let me let me yeah. ask you this. I I was totally out on the enchantress everything uh mm. it just didn't fit at all it felt like they're trying to mix lord of the rings into this somehow you know yeah. with magic and everything and i hated this stupid heart in a box that they had to carry around <sighs> and all that's it was awful I, it was like why how but, did this even control make, the heart you control her how did the, <laughs> this even make it past the initial concept meeting you know like yeah. some of it is just so all right, guys. Well, we got this villain, okay, and she's this mythical witch, who, <laughs> okay, and then people are somehow still on board after that's said, and then, but she's a mythical witch who doesn't have a heart. But guess what? The U.S. government holds her heart, and that's how we control her. And everyone, I mean, maybe she's a comic book character that everybody, every comic book fan has been clamoring to see her in a movie, and so this is kind of, oh yeah, of course she has her you know, briefcase and a heart and that's what controls it, you know, cause it's like part of it's yeah. so established in that universe. You don't even think twice about it. It doesn't work here at all. And my question is, was the Joker stuff so bad that they had to do that with Enchantress? They had to make her the main villain or were they just that dumb and they didn't know what Joker can just be the villain here. And so what if Chris Nolan did the Joker as the main villain and, the Dark Knight, uh, that's what people want to see. That's what works best here. And that could have been mm-hmm. Suicide Squad versus Joker. And, you know, Harley joins him at the end and that's the movie. Yeah. Uh, whatever. You know, that's one of the more frustrating aspects is that one of the flaws of the Avengers as a as a group, not not necessarily the movies, but the group itself is you kind of have to have like an all world or even kind of a galactic villain in order to for the stakes to be high enough to call in the Avengers, right? Like you can't call in Thor because somebody robbed a bank. Like you have to have a really good reason to bring all of them in. You don't have to have and you don't have to have a witch or an alien or whatever else in order to call in a guy who's really good at shooting and a guy who looks like a crocodile and a guy who throws a boomerang like these are not so if you're going to uh if you're going to assemble the suicide squad you can do something more i don't want to say realistic but at least something that feels a little more human i guess and so to me like the joker should be the villain in that situation or something similar to the joker that's how 
you can play the Suicide Squad and have it seem you can have them have let them have fun in their twisted sick ways you know what i mean and just and just go for it you don't need this the enchanters let alone the fact that whether as enchantress or the the i don't know the one june moore moon june moon june moon that's about the <laughs> june moon gosh that's about the worst over overacting that we've seen this year like that's it was awful she was awful in both of those roles when when the uh, way out of when the yeah. enchantress like leaves her body and she's like got the frightened uh-huh. look on her face. You know what I yes. mean? Gosh. Like, Don't how, forget about her generic brother either. Like, right. Yeah. Yes. That was yeah. a character. That was a character. Yeah. That, that was fun too. That the, uh, you know, we're going to, we've got her heart in this box. We're going to make sure, I guess that there's like a bomb in the box or something. Cause if she gets near it, it's going to, that red light comes on when she approaches it. Should we, uh, should we put her brother in here? No, it's fine. We'll just put that in the file room over here. She won't, she won't know to look for that. It, I'm sure it'll be no problem whatsoever. So within 10 minutes, she's like, oh, here's my brother. Okay. I'm just going to unleash hell. Okay. We're done. Like, I, what, what, this is such a bad, that's such a bad plot hole. Uh, and yet it kind of in some ways doesn't even stick out because of how bad the plot is for the entire movie. Well, and that's, and that's kind of what I keep touching on what I, I kept, what bummed me out about this movie so much is that it, it just, the ending of this movie, if we, if we can kind of get into spoilers, yeah, it just felt so generic, right? Like mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why Deadpool was such a successful and fantastic film is because the third act of that movie was not generic. The bad guy was one dude who'd kidnapped the hero's girlfriend. The planet wasn't at stake, right? Mm-hmm. There was not a team of people that had to assemble the it was just one guy versus one guy. And I feel like this is what you could have done that made Suicide Squad cool and different and kind of offbeat, right? Is make the villain the Joker or make it because they're a team of bad guys, right? So make the villain somebody who challenges the nature of what it is to be a bad guy versus a good guy instead of a generic sky hole that the Avengers had to fight, that the mm-hmm. Fantastic Four had to fight. I think that the X-Men had to fight this summer as well. It just yeah. it's like once yep. again, it's like every team of superheroes has had to fight a sky hole in the last year and a half. Let's not let the the bad guys fight a sky hole. Let's let them fight something that challenges the nature of their characters, right? Something less generic. What would have worked way better is if the Joker was part of the Suicide Squad at the beginning and they get together, like the government gets them together because the scene that does I mean, it's so generic and it's in the trailer and of course it's in the trailer, but the scene that works just from a pure plot standpoint, like we're going to base a movie off this is what if Superman came down and tore the roof off the white house and decided to rip the president's head off? Who would have stopped him? You know, that kind of thing uh, right. to, okay. Okay. Exhibit a, there's your reason for the suicide squad. Okay. Uh, you have that scene. Okay. Boom. Okay, guys, we need to go get the suicide squad together. Uh, they get all these people. Boom. There are your vignettes right there. <laughs> You go to the prison, you introduce them all. Okay, yeah, Joker's in there. Okay, you actually have Joker in the Suicide Squad. So they get them together, and then, you know, they go on their first mission, and then Joker turns against the whole team. He becomes the villain, and then they have to try to win him back. But what ultimately is his downfall is Harley. Like, I'm writing a better movie improvising mm-hmm. right now than this movie was. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right. it should not yeah. be this mm-hmm. hard to make these characters work in this universe. And the fact that they've concentrate so much on enchantress just kind of seems like the studio doesn't know what they have here you know like i honestly do feel like that was a studio thing like that entire aspect of this movie was 
them feeling like they this needed to be bigger than anything that they had done. And you could make this an isolated standalone movie where the third act, you know, takes place in a freaking Seven Eleven, and it could be good. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to have this whole galactic cosmic element no. to it, this universal element to it. And it just Shane's really, dead on. yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah, you're screenwriting right. teaches you that in the third act of a movie, you have to escalate the stakes, but stakes don't have to be just physical. The world doesn't have to be a risk. Right, stakes yes. can be an emotional thing and a character thing. Yeah, and that's completely absent. That the moments where this this movie tries to kind of earn the or, or try to exploit the the feelings of the audience to me that was even further turn off because I'm like you haven't. You haven't earned any of this. Like, I don't feel anything towards Deadshot and his kid. I don't feel anything towards Harley Quinn's weird bit with the Joker. Like, all these moments um, that, you know, that's part of trying to escalate the escalate the emotions that you just mentioned, Shane. But it doesn't it doesn't work because you we ha- we don't have any we don't have any relationship with the characters to make us give a crap about that. It, it's it was cheap is the is the nicest way to put that. Here's the here's a question I have for every all of you guys because I think it's one of the most important questions. Did we did anybody actually buy the chemistry of the squad? No, yeah, no. They, didn't, they didn't fit together. Like Harley oh. fit with the Joker just fine, but that's it. Like those are the only two characters that you could see like teaming up together and it working. Like they didn't. You're right. They didn't have chemistry. As a squad, they never felt like a team at any point in this movie. No. You know? <laughs> like, no. I feel like you've got to nail that over everything else. Yeah. Well, the other one, thing you have to yeah. nail is the, the advantage that the yeah. DC Universe has on Marvel as, so, as someone who has no allegiance either way. My biggest complaint on Marvel is like the, the villains are t- on the whole terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pull in the sky or just a bunch of Iron Man suits gone awry. And, uh, you know, you have this kind of great base of villainry and like it's such a wasted uh event to have them all in one movie have them actually be protagonists and then uh and, and then just crush them you know um and, and and then just crush the whole dream by having it just be kind of like flimsy and you have mm-hmm. all this potential of of great rich villains and you have the ultimate Ken had a great point too. Like, the, what's the thing about Joker that separates separates him from all these other villains? Well, he's motiveless. He's just pure evil when he wants to be. Yep. You know, he's Iago and Othello, right? He just <laughs> he just wants to watch the world burn, like we hear in the Dark Knight. That's like the scariest thing it can be because he can't be bought or bribed or controlled in any way. Maybe all the other villains could have been. It's not that hard to separate him from that. Um, and so it's it, there's nothing in Marvel that can touch most of these characters, mm-hmm. and instead of it goes back to what we were talking about the kind of the general thesis of this instead of trying to win on their own territory they keep trying to win on marvel's territory and they keep trying to win really fast like let's just pump these these out let's not even think about it let's just go 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 and hey they've got a sky hole let's make us a sky hole um they've got a ragtag group of bros let's have a ragtag group of bros and instead of saying we've got great villains we have a darker um more you know, menacing world, which in, mm-hmm. inherently has more stakes to an audience, whether that world is, you know, about to come to an end or not, doesn't matter. It's, it, it feels more real in that, in the DC world than Marvel. It's not as, you know, 
you know, cartoonish in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's not laser beams flying at you. It's bullets, which is a, an important difference. So the stakes can be there. And it's exactly what Shane said. Like, feel free to play in the realm of emotional stakes. Feel free. I mean, what the, the dark, you know, the dark Knight is, is what everyone thinks is probably the best superhero film ever made. I don't remember him going up and fighting a sky hole and then like taking yeah. on the proof of yep. attacks. Um, and so like you can make huge epics without having, you know, to bring the entire universe into things. I just don't mm-hmm. understand why they keep trying to mimic poorly what their competitors are trying to do when they actually have skills in a universe that would be interesting, especially with something like this. It's really different. It could have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's such a bummer. I just don't know what the message they're trying to tell. Like, what's the point of having, are they trying to comment on our past and how, you know, we abused witches bad in the past you know what i mean like there's not even it doesn't bring anything to the table as far as like a moral of the story kind of thing you know uh there's i mean i don't want any more i don't want any more foreign languages of them with the subtitles on there and they're talking in these weird I, I didn't know uh it's on bitch i guess they said that in the ancient times because that was subtitled yeah. in this so they had that word in their <laughs> in their uh repertoire but uh that was that was a little throw but speaking of history lesson for the yeah. kiddos but there but, right. and i think that there are so many moments in this film just like you just said that just kind of seem slap shot thrown together with mm-hmm. like no, no care or thought like two things that really stuck out to me that were just kind of and these are just two examples of many at one point when they get to that office building and they're trying to get to the top and harley quinn kind of jumps into the elevator before everybody else she gets to the top of the building and the rest of the team has yeah. somehow inexplicably teleported to the top right like yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, they're You're really right. good at running stairs. Really yeah. good. Yeah. And then, like, another thing that bothered me, too, is in the scene where they go to the bar, right, and Deadshot goes into the bar and blah, blah, blah. Katana is supposed to be on the other side of the fence. She's like a military good guy. And then she just inexplicably goes into the bar because th- they want her in there. But there's no reason her character would do that. Yeah. And I just feel like this movie is filled with so many moments like that where it's just inexplicable, like, yeah, or like the line you just said from El Diablo. It's like, that's just, there's no reason the character would say that or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It, there's so many moments that they're just trying to convince you how crazy these characters are. Uh, one of the moments that I circled and I was like, this could come into play later. And if it does, it's really cool. For uh, Harley Quinn, when they're walking down the street and she, smashes the window and steals the purse or whatever as they're walking down the street um i was like maybe this will come into play later like maybe at the third act like she saves the day or saves the joker like he's falling and she has the little purse and like saves him or something you know it's like oh thank god she busted that window and had that purse or he'd be dead you know like they didn't even care enough to give us like Something as simple as that in this movie, like a, a, like a setup and like a, a small, small payoff, <laughs> like mm-hmm. would have been. The exact thing happened with uh, Captain Boomerang's pink unicorn. Why, exactly. why did he have that? That oh, never yeah. gets paid off. They try to tell you that uh, fifty times. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. they try to tell you uh, that he likes pink unicorns. It's in his little vignette thing, and everything. It just goes nowhere. Um, but I mean, that would have been so simple to do. Like have her purse come into play later in the movie. That could have been done in reshoots easily, and it would have been, man, this guy can kind of direct a movie, you know, uh, yeah. kind of a thing, yeah. but it didn't come. So I don't know. Like, how how do we feel about David Ayer after this movie, <laughs> you know? I, I don't know. It's hard because 
he very clearly did not get to make the movie that he wants to make. And now I'm not, I, after having seen this movie, I don't think that, I don't think that his, whatever part of this movie is his versus the, the studio's part, I don't think it's good. So I don't know that even if he would have gotten a uh, complete say and everything that happens in the, the movie was his exact cut and he got to do whatever he wanted. I don't think that this would be a good movie. And we're now looking at, he's made, I think five, six, he's directed six, seven films. Um, you know, I think there are plenty of people that liked fury. I don't, I wasn't one of them. I, I feel like you guys were with me, but I, I can't remember. Is, Fury is a masterpiece compared to this movie. Oh, totally, uh, totally. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I was, I Fury. liked, I liked Fury. It wasn't in my top ten of that year. I don't think. I think it, it was like an honorable mention of that okay. year or something like that. Uh, you were much higher on it than me. Then, yeah. like, I, I think I, loved, I had like I as a C, C plus. Like, I love the the tanks. Like, I'd never seen tanks yeah. like in a movie. I so agree. Maybe that's I enjoyed I the action it. scenes in that yeah. movie and some of the some of the anyway regardless there was a lot of stuff I, I didn't care for i think end of watch is 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 fine is is an interesting film and at least is i think he's in his element in that world uh even street kings is is okay i don't know i don't know that he can make this kind of movie maybe that's just the problem i i would really have a problem i would really have a hard time saying that having seen this film that I feel confident in him as a screenwriter and director. And that's a bummer. Cause I, that was one of the things that I was excited about for suicide squad was that David Ayer was writing and directing, having seen the finished product. And again, I know there's plenty of studio interference here, but I, there's nothing in here that makes me feel like that gives me any confidence in what he what he brought to the table and maybe he's just completely out of his element and he just couldn't figure out how to make it work. And that's fine. And maybe the next thing he does is, is something that that's in his wheelhouse and it's uh, you know, it turns out to be a good product, but I, I don't, for me personally, um, I can't give him the excuse of, well, the studio messed with me. Cause I feel like that's part of your job as a director of a big time is to deal is yeah. to be able to work with the studio. Like that's, you know, Joss Whedon did not enjoy working with the studio on uh, Age of Ultron, and I think that shows in the movie, but he still made it work to the point of at least, even if you do not like Age of Ultron, you can at least say that that is a, it's a watchable movie, and I don't think that this is. So that's, some of that comes back on him, and I don't know that I can ever look at him, well, ever. I, the next few projects that he's going to be on, it'll take a lot for me to get back on board, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't I don't necessarily know. I, I'm certainly not saying I would be pumped to see David Ayer do Suicide Squad, too. But I will say this was the first film that he's ever done that had a budget of this magnitude and was kind of like a big franchise thing. I wonder if now if he did another one, he would be much better suited to take those studio notes, Brian, that you're talking sure, about. Sure. I tell you what, though, at least he's sticking by whether you like this movie or whether he likes this movie or not. It doesn't matter. He's sticking by it. Right. He's saying that it is at least he's not tweeting out opening weekend that the movie sucks. Right. Like remember, you guys right. remember Josh Trank? Yes, yes. Yes. I think he's working at a, at a Cinnabon in Bakersfield now. I think <laughs> right, best, right. You know, so at least David Ayer knows, like, I got to play ball with these guys, even if he feels like this is not my movie. But he said yeah. F Marvel, like at the premiere, like, yeah. blat- like said it like <laughs> blatantly. Like they quoted him. At that night saying, you know, David yeah. Ayer says literally says F Marvel. And then he had to come the next day and be like, 
Uh, sorry, guys. Didn't really mean F Marvel. Uh, gotta have respect Easy. for those guys. Like he was just like so cocky that night, you know, the premiere. He's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, you F Marvel." Yeah. He's like, "Oh wait, what if this sucks and everyone hates me?" Yeah. And they did like immediately <laughs> two two seconds later. But I don't know. I I I get to the point where I think the rated R non rated R thing really kind of tore this movie apart. I, I have a feeling yeah. like yeah. like David Ayer made a movie to be rated R and maybe showed him the first cut and WB was like, wait, wait, no, this, this is going to be PG 13. And that mm-hmm. like, is almost like too late to turn back at that point. You know, I, yeah, I the really do think called this suicide squad. Okay. It's a family film. That's what I don't get. Like, why did they think that this should have been, yeah, such a wide well, thing. I it's, just, it's so because confusing. they spent so much money, especially it's because they after, spent so much money on it. Well, that, Brian, that's the problem. It, it just, I, I'm with you. It's I agree with you. This movie should be rated R. It should also cost seventy five. A third of the budget. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. It, 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 when you let a, when you let a movie, be, it's the same problem that like Ghostbusters had of, you know, it made what was it like forty forty two million dollars opening weekend thirty eight something like that around forty million dollars opening weekend. That is a very respectable opening weekend haul for a comedy. But the problem is you spent $160 million to make that movie because you wanted to make it sort of a blockbustery comedy. Well, now you're you're already behind the eight ball. It's the same thing with this. We've we've heard that this would have to make with the with the extra production cost cuts that this movie would have to make seven hundred and fifty to eight hundred million dollars to break even. So you can't spend that kind of money. I, I don't think it will I, I honestly and I know I've been wrong on that in the past, but it's not getting China. I, I was it's just not getting Mexico. Like it's, okay. I, I think it's going to have a hard time. I, I would made... imagine it's cut this week is going to be seventy yeah. percent. I mean, because yeah, it no drops so poorly on Saturday, I, you can't make a movie, or at least the studios, and whether it's correct or not, the studios feel like you can't make a movie for one hundred eighty million dollars that's R rated, and so that's that's your problem. You don't greenlight that. You I just don't understand how they let that happen. They have the yeah. benefit of having made this after deadpool though it's not like i know but deadpool Deadpool costs 70 million dollars to make something like that maybe i think it was even less i think it was like 45 deadpool is like the highest grossing movie of the year for them to say oh we can't make this rated r because it won't make money like it's just not true like it proved Mm -hmm. it you know what i mean so i don't understand why they didn't just go all in here and that's the problem they didn't go all in it tries to teeter the line of being edgy and family friendly and something you could take your 13 year old to and it doesn't work for adults or kids really um the some like this i said the stuff that does work for me was the dead shot stuff uh the scene mm-hmm. with ike baron holtz and they he's showing his uh skills on the gun or whatever and he turns the gun on yes. ike and ike's like oh man i knew this was gonna happen that whole thing was, was <laughs> delete funny. my browser like history that, like yeah, delete my brows. That that worked. Like that was like yes, this is what this should be. But it lasted like nine seconds, and we were back mm-hmm. to Suicide Squad being yeah it again. You know what I mean? Like there were so many small glimpses of what this could have been, should have been, but uh, it wasn't sustained long enough. It had like character ADD. Like it never knew oh which gosh, character yes. to follow around, which character was the main character. <laughs> Tried to I, every- I was going to ask you, cause I know that you pay close attention to this type of stuff from, from a filmmaking perspective. Did you, did you feel like, I don't think that there was a scene in this movie that, that lasted longer than 60 no, seconds. No, it's a, it's, 
it's all tough. over the place. I think the, ba- yeah. the, the scene that lasts the longest is the one where they're at the bar and yeah. it actually yeah. works mm-hmm. really well. And it's another like star on my notes where Harley's talking with Diablo and Diablo is telling the story of him killing his family. And Harley's like, just admit it. You can't even admit that you killed your family, you know, just say it and all that. And it's like really kind of tense and awkward. Like that's probably the longest scene in the movie, but it also works like, Hey, wow, this works really well. Maybe we should do more of this. Like these types of mm-hmm. scenes and yeah, uh, take a they breath don't. guys, like, they, you know, calm down a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that was man. the funniest part of the movie to me too, was when Rick flag smashes his like wrist thing. And he says, you're free to go. And captain boomerang bolts. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was funny. Yeah. And then they ruined the joke. Literally the yes. next scene, captain boomerangs just back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yes. would have been hysterical yes. if they just kept that bit. Just, he's, he's just gone. gone. Yeah, it's totally. Good. He's not he's like he's jerk. helping the team anyway. Get out of here. Like yeah. he's a jerk. That's who he is. Yeah. He's out of there. I totally agree. Another I totally agree. Another funny moment with Deadshot was when he was like, That was the worst speech I've ever heard. Have you ever heard of Phil Jackson? Triangle yeah. and all that stuff. I thought that was a funny line. Uh and also we uh, uh get a cool moment or something I thought like, hey, this could work in another good Batman film is when the Joker like throws the package into the little guard thing. And it blows up like he tries to deliver the package or whatever, and mm-hmm. it blows up. I was like, oh, that that could have worked in another movie. Like, like that didn't feel bad. Like that felt like something the Joker would have done, and it was cool. But uh, I I hated like when they're shooting up. I don't even know what it is. Is it is it the the prison or somewhere? Where, I, I guess it's uh, he's going to rescue Harley or something. Um, they're they're all dressed in like mascot uniforms and like yes. one of them is wearing a Batman mask and it's kind of weird. Uh, it just, yeah. it's just it's too. Oh, are you top. talking about when they rob the like the laboratory yes, to get those yes. neck, neck yeah. plunging devices or whatever? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was uh, it was very off putting. It's like this the thing that stuff that could work if you go all in with this. Yes, and yes. That whole sequence is just kind of a trippy like it, like witnessing the attack like through this kind of weird lens like a kaleidoscope kind of a lens kind of thing mm-hmm. but it doesn't work uh they don't do that and it doesn't it just feels like it feels like it's trying to be edgy but it's not working at all like yes well, it feels like it joel schumacher when he was thinking of, yes. of batman and robin he's like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have all the villains come in on ice skates it's like right. wow that might seem cool but it looks terrible and it's mm-hmm. just cheesy like it's just you know what it, yes you know what it reminded me of mad max because fury road because i like i'm on record as i don't i don't really care for the movie i don't like that aesthetic but that movie is all in on its entire look and the aesthetic and the craziness that is happening on screen and at the very least even for someone like me that was like i don't really get this it's not my thing that's a you you can't you cannot uh, you can't argue with how how very well made the movie is and how uh, committed to its its tone it is and that's boy that's missing from this like you've got to you got to piss or get off the pot like you've got to pick a side yeah. basically yep. and, yeah. and go for it. Well, and especially with that scene where they're heisting in the laboratory with the Joker or whatever, whether you liked it or whether you didn't, it lasts 42 seconds. You barely have a chance to process what you just saw. And then we're smash cutting to Killer Croc putting on a jacket to an Eminem song. Yeah, that's I did not like the uh, this made me want to die. I just I guess he's back. Back Every again. 
every single cue well, I was just, like asking an eight year old, Hey, what song should we play here? <laughs> oh, definitely Eminem. I just like guys that you've got the reason that the music works in, in guardians is because it's subtle and because it was a little bit different, a little off center from it's what like, it's like you this, might the music expect. that works perfectly that you would never expect yes, to work. Yes. Like the oh. Uga Chaka and everything. You, if and you heard Guardians that song, only had, yeah, I don't well, know. Guardians only had 10 to 12 music cues. This mm-hmm. has over 25. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's at a certain seen. point, you're just desensitized. And half, right. And half of them are in the first 20 minutes of the movie too. You're just like, <laughs> I can't, I can't do this. Like, I'm not here to hear a concert. Like I want to watch the movie. Please just get on with it. I, I, I loved Kanye West oh. even more after his little, uh, shooting scene with, Will that Smith, was the best. Like, that was the only good music cue in the whole movie. You can use that song in any movie. I'm down. Like it, it works in any setting like that. I think you're 100 right, though, Brian. I feel like in the first 10 minutes we went through eight song cues. It was, mm-hmm. it, it was like, what is happening oh. here? It goes from House of the Rising Sun to You Don't Own Me to Sympathy for the Devil to um, I don't even know what song. Did I don't they remember use for what Diablo? was next, but I I texted Richard at that point. Because Kent does not like to talk about the movies until we get on uh, on the the podcast. Richard and I do, and I texted him at that point and said three musical cues in four minutes. Like I, I can't. I, I'm dying. I can dying. I can't do this. You know. It was like they were trying to be Tarantino y so much with it, like how quirky the songs were, and uh, it just. But they were. There's just no they original score. They were so on the nose. Like yeah. That's what they that's what they mean. That's what I mean. They they think they're being quirky, but they're songs that everybody already knows. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Bohemian everybody Rhapsody is one of the biggest songs of all time. You're not really doing anything extraordinary. It's not by it in a, yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's not like a B side from Bowie like like James <laughs> Gunn would choose. You know what I mean? It's right. just right, right, I don't right. know. I don't know. Uh so that didn't work. Did anything work? Uh, on the positive side, we've been going over a lot of negatives, but is there any silver lining to this at all? Uh, you know, I'm with I you. I it thought... ended, ended one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good part. That was definitely the best part when the credits rolled. Uh, I, you know, I thought I thought Will Smith was. I'm probably not as high on him as you you are. Can't I thought he was the best part of the movie. I also thought there were too many times where. It seemed like to me the script said, you know, uh, let Will Smith do Will Smith stuff and the Will Smith stuff doesn't work in 2016 like it did in 1997. And so that he was definitely the best part of the movie in a lot of ways. But I, I did think there were so many there were too many of his lines where I was kind of waiting for the punch to land and instead it was just kind of like a glancing blow you know and, she, and that's that was a little bit of a bummer but that's not necessarily his fault that's probably writing in and direction i liked his character the best out of all of them he was the to me he was the um the most interesting character the one that i would sign up to see you know a full movie on is, is deadshot uh and I thought he interacted very well with Harley. There were times where Harley was really good, and there were times where I thought she was really off the rails and not in a in a positive way. Um, but I thought Margot Robbie did a great job of of trying to bring that character to life. I just don't know that she was put in the best situation to do that. But the two of them interacting together was really good most of the time. Uh, Brian, did you notice that her Brooklyn accent just kind of came and yes. went? As yep. it, as yep. it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was... 
there was a couple the first couple of times I was like, wait, did what you know, you I started to have that think of like, <laughs> am I confusing what she is saying with uh with the, the Wolf of Wall Street? Like am I getting those two things mixed together or was she really doing okay, she was. Okay, well that's not the best. And and that that was kind of uh off putting. I thought sure. she looked really good. Like I think the yeah, production totally. design of this movie was pretty good other than the uh the CGI uh, Enchantress stuff. Like, yeah. I think the actual settings were cool. I think the prison itself looked cool. I think they would should have yeah. done more stuff in Arkham Asylum. Like Arkham Asylum is such a cool part of the Batman lore and part of this universe. Like they should have focused a little bit more on that. Like maybe even set it there instead of like Joker escaping out of Arkham and now, now they're in another facility. You know what I mean? Um, maybe they could have based more of it around that. Uh, how does that work, Shane? Uh, can well, can they bring that from- around? Absolutely. And from what I understand, that's what they're planning to do. The Ben Affleck written and directed solo film is going to essentially follow the Grant Morrison comic called Arkham Asylum. And the plot of that is that Batman gets lured into Arkham Asylum, I think, to to drop off the Joker because he captured him. And then he gets stuck in Arkham Asylum. So he has to fight his way out of Arkham Asylum. So it's this chance. So it's this chance to have to work in all of these Batman villains, right? You can work in the Joker and Penguin and the Riddler and Killer Croc and Clayface and all these other characters that you probably wouldn't. And from what the rumors are is that the whole Ben Affleck solo movie is going to be an Arkham. So I think you're going to – if those rumors are true, you're going to get exactly what you want. Wow. That's actually exciting and somebody directing it that we think has a good plan for this or at least maybe has the benefit of hindsight on a lot of it. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Does he get more jacked every level he gets out? Like every time he climbs his way out, is he a little bit more jacked or yeah. Every time he gets to a new staircase, there's just like a syringe of creatine that he just jams into his arm. He does a quick plank and then he's ready. He's he's good. I'm just really hoping that the reveal that Robin is, he's played by Matt Damon. That would just be, (laughs) Oh, I thought he died. Matt Damon with the Boston accent. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. They killed him, and didn't they confirm that he was dead? And holy gordy, how Batman? They confirmed that Lex Luthor killed him, or something, or the Joker killed him. And actually, in Suicide Squad, if you if you guys go back and rewatch it, when you get Harley Quinn's little data card information with the thing, it said that she was the one that primarily killed Robin. Oh, I didn't look at the data card. I saw that that was. uh, I saw that the Hollywood Reporter put that out there. That uh, I, but I didn't notice that. Like, I didn't read the card or, or whatever it was. You didn't uh, have time. It fast time. cut. It's it so a, fast. It was a folder sequence, guys, and I immediately check out when the folder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as soon as the folder comes, set kid on the just table, started dousing himself in gasoline. I, like, you know just... what, guys? And we're in spoilers. We're in spoilers now. Um, Mid credit sequence. Guess what it is? Oh, he gets God. another folder, which well, includes more identities. Guys, and, hey, you get, it's hey, worse. You, the, <laughs> He gets another got, folder. Start working at night. Yeah, he gets another folder that tells him the exact information that he learned in the mid movie trailers in Batman v Superman. Like yeah. it's the exact same sequence. I, I could not believe that that was a thing that we went ahead with. Like, re- that, that is so that is so sloppy and so. Uh, we got to have something to tie into the next movie. Whoa, what are we gonna do? Well. Obviously, Viola Davis got to do a folder scene with Batman. Oh, okay. Here we go. I, I just, I was so mad. I was so mad in that moment. I'm like, what? So what? That even further makes that dumb scene in Batman v Superman where he watches the cyborg trailer happen. That makes it even further stupid, or even more stupid, or or less important to that movie than it already was. I, yeah, man. 
Oh, I agree. Yeah, that, that, was, that whole Great thing is so there, out of place. Brothers. Yeah. So if you were to put your feelings on this into a sentence, uh, Shane, you, you're a noted fan of Batman v Superman. Why did this fall off so much for you? Uh, why do you have such a negative opinion of Suicide Squad? It just well, I, I have such a negative opinion about it because I, I've been reading these comics. So the Suicide Squad started in 1987, and I certainly I'm not even that old. But I, the thing is, I, I've been reading these comics for a long time, and I know that there's a potential for gold there, right? The the sandbox you can play in is so cool, and this movie to me just felt like it was the very first draft of the script with no rewrites that was shot, and then they did an assembly cut of the movie without any thought to it, and then just put it in theaters. At no yeah. point did it feel like anybody went back to make sure that this movie worked or that the characters were consistent or, Gosh, you, yeah. you know, and it's like, that's, I think why I'm just so disappointed is because I know, you know, it's like, I'm sure it's like how Brian feels about the star Wars prequels. They're disappointing because you know that there's so much right. cool stuff yes. you yes. could have done and you just swing and a miss. Right. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this is I know that there, this is such a cool sandbox to play in and we just, we didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad. Is like what might even be sadder is this might be as good as this movie could have been. Like we don't need, we didn't see even the first cut or second or third or fourth cut. Like this might be. Yeah. Like we've done all we can do. This is what it is. You know. I like it's, I think you're I think you're totally right. I think you're totally right because, like I said at the outset, I think that you can I think you can make this a good movie, but it's not it's not in this movie. Like mm-hmm. this is not where. I don't think either version, the the David Ayer version or the studio version, and definitely not the assemblage of those two. It, it none of them are good, and I, and and that's a that's so frustrating and disappointing because I I feel like this was the I feel like this is the best chance that the current Warner Brothers DC film slate has to be good and to be that that movie that really sets them apart from what Marvel's trying to do. And instead it just is more foolishness that I, I hate, I hate, I hate watching. I hated watching this movie. Well, I guess that should move us on to grades. Do we have any other just big thoughts on this before we wrap it up? Um, grades wise. How do we generically feel about where they're moving forward now? Going forward from here, so we had Batman v Superman this year and this, and coming up is Justice League and Wonder Woman. So Justice League, I guess it's their duty to right the ship as far as uh, this whole universe is concerned. Um, I just don't see it happening. No. Uh, I don't see uh, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel with this um, storyline with these people in place that are mm-hmm. uh, steering this thing. Um, but you know, who knows? Leave it to me to be the most surprised. Like I thought this was going to be good. And I was surprised that it wasn't as good as it, it could have been. Like, I, I thought this was almost like a can't miss kind of a thing. You know, uh, you get a director in here who's not going to listen to a studio. You give us, get a studio. That's like, you know what, do what you want with this. We've seen, what that can do over at Marvel when you just give a director a, a property and just let them do what they do, just do their best work. Um, so disappointed as far as that goes for David Ayer, man, I, I had so much hope for him and I mm. want, I want the, I want to see good movies. I, I don't, I didn't want to come yeah. on here and talk bad about this. You know what I mean? Like I just, 
I want yeah. it to be like, guys, like at least we have this and we can all move on, you know? Like that's why I'm trying to just point out any positive that I can think about this because I'm tired mm. of like they must be sick of it over there. And I'm tired of talking about it. They're living it. You know what I mean? Like this is just yeah. it's not working. It's not. Somebody needs over there needs to just admit, guys, right. this isn't working. Let's stop before we spend another <laughs> two billion dollars on these. Yeah. And uh and get it right, you know? Take the time to get it right. I think that's the worst part is that it doesn't seem like that's sinking in. It just seems like it with each with each movie that is at the very least critically reviled, if not unsuccessful, because I I feel like you can say Batman v Superman is unsuccessful. I know it made a lot of money, but it did not make the kind of money that it should have made or that they expected it to make. And I think mm-hmm. Suicide Squad is going to lose money. And I just, I don't understand how you can keep doing that. I don't understand how you can keep throwing bad money after good, I guess. Like five years ago, I can understand why Warner brothers five years ago or whatever thought, uh, or, or longer now, whatever that Zack Snyder is, he's a rising voice in, uh, in the filmmaker world. He has a vision uh, we're going to let it, we're going to give him kind of full reign with, to see what he can do with these properties. And I can kind of, you know, I don't feel that way. Cause I don't think most of what he did prior to man of steel was very good, but that's fine. Like I can understand that concept. What I can't understand is post Batman v Superman, just going full speed ahead with our full steam ahead with, with justice league and continuing to let him come out on stage and say stupid things at comic-con and, moving forward with uh with this rushed production schedule on suicide squad that they have to make this date i mean that's very very george lucas uh with phantom menace of it will come out this date no matter what we have to get it done um and now okay now we've had like almost a full turnover in charge of this department at warner brothers and it's still it still feels like We've got to get another Man of Steel out there. We've got to do it right now. And it's just, I just can't get on board with any DC Warner Brothers movies coming up. Like, I, there's just no way that I can go in and expect anything to be good. I'm on and that's board. Not, I'm on board for Wonder Woman. I'm still. On board. I'm not. I'm out. I'm out. I'm like, if I'll go see it because we have a podcast to do, you know. But I don't. I don't expect because I thought this was the one that we had that had a chance to be good because it seemed like it was the most out of Snyder's control. And now <laughs> executive producer and, and, but, snacks, Zach Snyder. Yeah, I know, but it seemed like this was the one he had the least to do it. And, and maybe the problem is not, I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be a Zach Snyder apologist by any means, but maybe the problem's not Snyder. Maybe it's, it goes deeper than that, or maybe it's a combination of those two things, but I can't do it anymore. I can't go into any of these movies. You're going to have to make five good movies now for me to, feel like I have any sort of anticipation or trust for for what you're doing because we've just been it's not fool me once fool me twice fool me three times it's just like what the crap are we doing two three four <laughs> five times now I, I just I can't find a way to get excited and that bums me out because I love blockbuster type movies and I want to go into every movie that we see excited about it except for now you see me I always want to go into those ready to tear it apart but everything else I want to come in thinking the best of the movie and come out thinking that it was a good movie. And I don't know how I will be able to do that anymore with these movies. Fair point. Fair point. Any last words before we give grades guys? 
Nothing. Okay. Well, uh, I'll give my grade. I'm gonna give this a C minus. Uh, wow. Way better than I thought going into the weekend, but I did see it, and uh, there was more positive than I thought there would be. Um, but this is not a good movie. I don't. I want that to be clear. Uh, I don't. I don't like the direction they're moving in. Um, this just happened to have some uh, some bright spots in it. Like I had no bright spots in in Batman Superman. Like I just keep flashing back to the jar of urine and like <laughs> how was that in the movie? Like it's in there still and it's pivotal. Like the mo- like uh, I cannot even get over it. Um, so this was exponentially better than that to me. Um, but again, like they need to just completely reset over there. Uh, at DC slash Warner. So C minus is, uh, is my grade. What are you going to give it, uh, Shane? I would echo your sentiments exactly. I would stick with the C minus. I think that the, the, the foundation, the base for a decent movie was there, hence the C, but it just it seemed like every one step this movie took, it was one step forward, it was two steps yeah, back. That's exactly right. Yeah. Every and good scene, a, there was two bad scenes to follow it. Is yeah. Exactly. And just from a I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, from a narrative structure standpoint, this movie was was a dilapidated mess. And it's just it's you know, there are some fun scenes for sure um but i just yeah it's it's just hard to defend a movie that had such a great setup and it didn't it just couldn't deliver on a on a you know on any conceivable level of just good filmmaking technique right richard uh i'm gonna echo everything shane said but because of all that i I can't give it a passing grade so i'm gonna go d minus okay brian did you give it a grade no no yeah I think that this is just the <laughs> this is one of the worst movies of the year. Obviously, I'm man. I think that Batman v Superman is a worse movie than Suicide Squad, but I kind of hate Suicide Squad more because I feel like I feel like there's something it was easier here. I to did, make is an easier movie to make yeah, good to make it good. Yes, it, it is. It should be hard to it, look. Honestly, it should be hard to make either of those movies bad. Um, which congratulations, Warner Brothers, you pulled it off. But <laughs> I feel like they're like I was not super into the the entire concept of Batman v Superman. It just seemed dumb to me from from the outset. This seems like the type of movie that we should have come out at the end of our summer saying, "Oh man, this summer kind of sucked, but that was a cool closer to it, and that was an enjoyable movie and fun, and it didn't take itself too seriously, and it uh, was a blast to be a part of." And hey, Will Smith's back, and all these things that I felt like in an alternative universe we sh- we would be saying about it, and instead I just came out like within ten minutes, I I felt like this is terrible and I hate it, and I don't, I just want to leave the theater. I. I really wanted to pull a Richard and just leave. So uh, I'm going to give it, what'd you give it, Richard? D minus. I'm, I'm going to go with an F. I, I just, I hate this movie and I'm super bummed that that is, that I have to give it that, that low of a grade, but I have a feeling I'm going to hate this more in a week than I do right now, which is something. Yeah. I don't think it's going to hold up for me. I think I'm going to hate it more the next time, but uh you see more of its flaws. I've seen it I, twice now, and you definitely okay. notice more stuff the second time of what's wrong Gosh, with it. You do? Okay. Well, that's not good then. Um, I mean, like, I, I didn't like this coming out, but I was like, it, this was better than I thought. You know, like, there, I would be lying to myself if I 
what like it was like Ninja Turtles out of the shadows. Like I like Ninja <laughs> Turtles more than this. Don't get me wrong. Same. Like I viscerally Same. enjoyed Ninja yeah. Turtles, the new one. Uh, but this was like, yeah, that wasn't good. But I'd be lying if I say if I was saying I didn't have fun while in the theater just now uh, during some parts. But this one left me exhausted. But Batman v Superman like physically hurt me. At like, yeah, I was no, hurt. I my body ached after seeing that because right. it just put you through the ringer of just flashes and and just debris and everything i mean it gives you everything but um i'm done talking about this i it'll come up later in the year i'm sure i know it will for brian um so i guess we'll move on and uh we'll hit a recommend then weekly recommends shane guest you have a recommend for the listener. I do. I okay. do, actually. Uh, as of, I, I watched it last night, actually. I don't know how long it's been on HBO, but HBO just added a documentary called Hitchcock Truffaut, and it oh. is a documentary about the famed uh, French New Wave director, Francois Truffaut, in 1962, interviewed Alfred Hitchcock for a week solid about his filmmaking technique. And it was published in a book, um, and it's a very interesting read of a book, but they made a documentary about that series of interviews, and they kind of talk about Alfred Hitchcock and why he's such a fantastic director. But in addition to that, it's got interviews with other directors like David Fincher, Martin Scorsese, uh, Richard Linklater, Peter Bogdanovich, and they are also talking about how great of a director Alfred Hitchcock is. So if you are interested in filmmaking, if you're interested in learning why Alfred Hitchcock is one of the greatest directors to ever direct a movie, you should definitely check that out while you can. Um, it's on HBO Go right now, and it's fantastic. It's called Hitchcock uh, Truffaut. Wow. I had no idea about that. I'm going to watch that like tonight. That's awesome. I had no idea. I stayed I up crazy Truffaut. late last I love night Hitchcock. watching. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Can't wait. Speaking of Absolutely. auteurs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Truffaut's great. Um, what's your favorite Truffaut film, Shane, if you were uh, to? Uh, I do like The 400 Blows, but I think Jules and Jim, I think, is my favorite uh, Truffaut okay. film. 400 Blows for me. I think I recommended that in the past. I can't wait to watch that doc. That's awesome. I'm glad I have HBO yeah. for that reason. It's awesome. Cool. It's awesome. Cool. Brian, recommend. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend a book that I, uh, I listened to uh, over the last week, and I'm going to recommend that you do not listen to it because the reader is atrocious. Uh, one of the worst readings of an audiobook I've, I've ever read, but the book itself was fantastic. It's called Boys Among Men. It's by Jonathan Abrams, who uh, used to write for Grantland. It's about uh, the high school basketball players who came into the, straight to the NBA, skipped college, went straight to the NBA over the course of like 1995 to 2005 when uh, the NBA put a ban on that and made kids go to college for a year before they could come into the league. So it's talking about Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Dwight Howard, and then some of the uh, – the real kind of horror stories of what happened with some of those kids like Lenny Cook and some other guys that uh, you may or may not know if you're a, uh, even if you're not a, a huge basketball fan, um, it has a lot to say kind of on the, the philosophy of, uh, of how that system works and uh, the fairness of the draft and making people attend a college if they do not want to attend college, things like that. It, it's, it's a really, it's a very well-written book. Uh, Jonathan Ambers is an excellent writer, and I uh, would recommend it, especially if you're an NBA fan. 
basketball fan in general, but uh, even if not, and maybe if you if you like uh, nonfiction, I think it's just it's got a lot to say about uh, society and sports society. It's worth listening or worth uh, reading and not. I read the. To. I should. I'll say. I read the book book, and I'm a big audio audible book guy, but I got that uh, for some reason in book book form, and uh, it's a great read. So I second that mm-hmm. recommend. And I'll give my recommend of uh, it's a it's a recommend on what not to do. Don't drive um, 15 hours through the night from Ohio, <laughs> Dallas. But I honestly I haven't seen any between Montana and uh, my my Carney trailer. I have not seen a TV screen or anything in like two weeks, so uh, I don't I don't have one this week. But don't do that. It's, it's bad times. Yeah, I uh, I am going to recommend some Brian. Thank you for that. I'll definitely check that out. Uh, I'm going to recommend a documentary. Uh, series that uh, some of my coworkers have been working on for the past a while. Um, we're doing this documentary series in house uh, with the Dallas Cowboys called Deep Blue, and it's kind of a thirty for thirty kind of series that just tells some of the more memorable stories uh, in football and in Cowboys history. Uh, and so we just kicked off season two of Deep Blue, and there's four different documentaries that. Uh, that are available for those. And, uh, some of them are fun. Some of them are more generic for everybody, but, um, they're good for people who grew up watching the Cowboys or if you watched NFL football, you'll certainly appreciate them. But, uh, the ones coming out this year, we have one, uh, next week premiering called 88, which is, uh, we basically got Drew Pearson, Michael Irvin and Des Bryant in a room and just turn the cameras on. And it's just them interacting. And the the documentary is about the number 88 and how it's become an iconic number in uh, Cowboys history and in NFL history. And so that's a really fun time. Uh, Michael Irvin, if you've ever watched NFL Network, is an extremely entertaining personality. (laughs) And Des Bryant, if you've ever watched any football, is an extremely entertaining personality. And so getting them in a room together is gold to begin with. And so cool documentary and then we did two others that are premiering this year called one's called from compton to canton and it's about a player named larry allen who grew up in compton and really overcame everything went to sonoma state university and ended up being uh the best at his position of all time and being in the hall of fame and it's just about his journey and uh the last one we're doing is more more for our listeners it's called black and blue and uh it's about the racial tension in dallas in the 1960s and how the Cowboys kind of helped Dallas and the South overcome those tensions with allowing black players to play NFL football and how that kind of brought people together. So very interesting stuff. Uh, season one is available now on our website, DallasCowboys.com, deep blue slash deep blue, really fun uh, documentaries to make and uh, see people, you know, make them and everything. So the team over here did a great job on them. And uh, the one last year that I know you guys will like Brian Richard is uh we did one last year called Star Crossed, and it was the story of Quincy Carter and Tony Romo. Quincy Carter mm. being the first round pick quarterback, the can't miss player. And, uh, second uh, round pick, come on. Whatever. Um, can't miss player. <laughs> and he comes in and, you know, basically smokes himself out of the league. And Romo then was the fourth quarterback on the depth chart. So basically, had Quincy not failed a drug test, Romo would have been gone forever, you know, and now here Romo is the, the franchise quarterback for the last 10 years. So just an interesting story there and everything. So star crossed and uh deep blue is the name of the series. So those are fun and uh, just really proud of my coworkers. I know how hard they worked on those and they're definitely worth checking out if you are at all 
a Cowboys fan and someone who watches documentaries. It's, it's, I can compare them to Dirk Doc, you know, we reviewed last mm-hmm. year. Not, not, oh. not like, uh, not like Alex Gibney type documentary work, but definitely informative, you know, and definitely if you, if you know the stories, uh, they're, they're fun watches. And they, they how include, much Dirk, how much Dirk is in these? Not enough. There's never okay. enough. Uh, <laughs> how much Batman is in these? Cause that's the real question. There's never enough Batman. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, the motto really cool, really cool. And hopefully I'll that's be cool. putting one together in the next few years and, uh, keep y'all updated on the show about, the progress of that. So, are you going to so do the one on Charles Haley's locker room behavior? No, no. We're actually doing one called the White House, and it's about a house that they oh. used to have. No. <laughs> I am very read, interested in that one. Side recommend: There's a book called "Boys Will Be Boys." That's about yeah. uh, the '90s Cowboys, and uh, there are some stories in there. There are some. <laughs> so, on that note, I want to thank our guest Shane for being on the show tonight. Uh, it's been great again. Uh, Shane, I just want to tell you any kind of DC property, Warner Brothers property you want to talk about from now on. We expect you to we expect you to be on next year for Justice League. So consider it. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll do it again for Wonder Woman, guys. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, it's been awesome. And where can we find you online, Shane? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I've uh, appreciated all of the uh, fan comments and letters that I've gotten from folks. Although, if you're going to send me a death threat, at least send spell my last name correctly. That's all I ask. Yes, I will. Uh, I will say though, Shane is such a nice person that we had an email of a girl moving, or, or I should say, woman moving to uh, to Los Angeles to kind of begin her career in the industry, and Shane was nice enough to like take her to coffee and. Uh, and uh give her advice so that's the kind of person shane is he's a great person so if you need like anything just call him for a favor or just you know get on facebook <laughs> ask him for money five bucks you're like one of those uh what do you call them those uh nigerian princes you know you, he'll he, he'll give you money like it's great for all that so <laughs> anytime anytime awesome. awesome well thanks again uh shane and richard where can we find you online you can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or in the Mad About Movies newsletter, which is delayed due to my insane travel. But we'll have it out for you at the beginning of next week. All right. Uh, I just saw a note, breaking news from Variety, that says Miles Teller, quote, would absolutely do a Fantastic Four sequel. So, gosh. Well, can you just check with America <laughs> and we do not agree. Uh, so, <laughs> thanks, no thanks. Wow. Well, so, someone agree. call up Josh Trank. Like I said, I think he's in Bakersfield. <laughs> Where's the cup? I just saw this uh, tweet that says, we're about 72 hours away from Trump suggesting an actual suicide squad as part of his foreign policy. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's gold, too. I appreciate that on the Twitter. Matt Singer on the Twitter. Uh, thank you. Uh, where can we find you on the Twitter, Brian? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com or on the Mad About Movies newsletter. Kent, where can we find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. All of our throwback episodes from this past couple months are up, so enjoy those. I will be probably, once I return home from California, be sitting down and doing abundantly more throwback episodes to spread out over the next couple months, so Get those are great, guys. Keep those up. Those are so fun. Thank you. Yeah. No, really fun to do. And uh, please, listeners, send us suggestions for anything you would like us to discuss, and that'll be upcoming. So I believe next week we are talking about Pete's Dragon and or Sausage Party. Quite different, uh, but uh, <laughs> my vote goes to Sausage <laughs> the Party. The ultimate double bill. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. But um, 
If you like I bought my hear, kids tickets for both. I hope that's cool. Just yes. Yeah, back to back. It's animated, yeah. so <laughs> I can't wait for the parents to take their kids. <laughs> yeah, to that. Oh yeah. Yeah, Not there's knowing. gonna be a lot of outrage. That's gonna, yeah, it's gonna happen. If you edited, if you edited both of those movies together, it might kind of feel like Suicide Squad. <laughs> I hope Sausage Party's. Yeah, I hope Sausage Party. That's good. That was really good. I hope Sausage Party starts out like a kids movie for the first seven minutes, just so parents don't really know until just, just people into it. Something yeah. horrible happens. Yeah, uh, I can't wait. But uh, if you like oh, what you God. hear, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just search Mad About Movies and please leave us five stars on iTunes if you like what you hear as well. Tell a friend. It goes a long way. And uh, until next time, thank you to the sponsors for making this show happen. And we'll see you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs> <laughs>